What a wonderful trip. Late last night, a little before midnight, our two vans of two priests and college students and young adults returned from Washington, D.C. for the March for Life. Got back late, but it gave us a wonderful time to reflect on the trip and the sharing of graces in it. Three points that line up with our three readings for you today. Most of the drama happened on the first day and likewise happened in the first reading. You might know that every year at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, right there in D.C., on the campus of Catholic University, there's a vigil mass. It's surely one of the most beautiful masses, if not the most beautiful celebration. The, the number of people, the music, the, the, the preaching, the beautiful setting. Last year we weren't able to hold it, but this year we came back and at the time of the Mass, protesters snuck onto campus and sadly executed a technological wonder. Through massive projectors, they defiled the front of the basilica with pro-abortion slogans. It was masterfully done, but sad to behold, even though it was just the walls, even though it was just the exterior, And then we look to the first reading, the walls. The walls matter. You see, Nehemiah and Ezra, the priest, Nehemiah, the political leader, had returned to Jerusalem after the destruction and the defilement of the Babylonians. They had destroyed Jerusalem. Can you imagine? Imagine those of you that know a friend or family member that had a house fire one time, or we see on the news the natural destructions, or even old footage of, of wars, what it's like to go back to our beloved home and see it in ashes. But as we hear in the first reading of Ezra proclaiming the word to the people and them hearing and remembering who they were, Nehemiah also promises a rebuilding, a rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. You see, in the ancient world, unlike Canton, where we just have that sign outside that says, now you're in Canton, the ancient walls were important. Yes, of course, to protect, but also to define and also to welcome. It was needed. They needed to be rebuilt, and in doing so, they gave us a sign, give us a sign of what it is that we are all about. This place set apart. The Psalms speak of going up to the house of the Lord, to return to this place where the Lord makes himself manifest. They can be defiled. They can be destroyed. They can be forgotten, just as the word. And so as Nehemiah is speaking of the significance of the walls, Ezra speaks of the word itself, which is the the walls of our hearts. Pope Francis announced this to be Word of God Sunday. He desires us all to appreciate ever more the significance of the word that gives definition to our hearts and to our lives. The word is needed for us to remember who we are.
And who is the word for? Second, we go to, to the gospel and the significance of names. We hear in that the very first verses of St. Luke's gospel that this is being written to the most excellent Theophilus. Isn't that a great name? It sounds like a Snuffleupagus or another Sesame Street name. It's so significant, though. Perhaps a Roman official with that title, most excellent, but he writes to him about these things that eyewitnesses have told us and that Luke has investigated and written down accurately. Theophilus. Names are important, but they get easily confused. On a ride back last night, we stopped at, at Wendy's uh, to grab a bite, and the poor guy at the register, his job in part besides taking our order was to take our names. Well, don't you know that he has a tough job and he's not paid a lot for it, but especially behind the masks, he didn't get a single name right. Drew became Mitchell, Aiden became David, Brian became Bryce. None of us cared, because we got our food and we were happy for it. What's in a name? Here it is very significant. Yes, Luke wrote to Theophilus, most excellent, but what does that name mean? It means you. It means me. Theophilus. Theo, where we get the word theology, the study of God. Theo is God. And Philus, just like we have Philadelphia, that city of brotherly love. Theophilus is the lover of God. That's you. You can never someone can't remember your name sometime, you know how they, hey, there you are, or hey there, man, what's going on? Or try this, hey, Theophilus. I don't think it's going to catch on, but it could, it should. For each of us, please God, is a lover of God, and it is for us that this word is written, for us to have it fulfilled in our hearing, just as the people of the synagogue heard the word fulfilled in their hearing as Jesus spoke it 2,000 years ago. It is for us. And in particular, in our second reading, St. Paul speaks in his letter to the Corinthians of us being one body in many parts. The part of the March for Life that everyone should remember is that tens of thousands, if estimated over 100,000 this year, and that was a small crowd, of course, because of the pandemic, people converging, and so different, so diverse, young and old, rich and poor, Democrats, Republicans, coming together to stand up for life. One body, many parts. I'd invite you today, on this Word of God Sunday, to go back to that's a long first, uh, second reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. But each of us, he speaks of having these diverse backgrounds. We're all parts of the same body. The hand shouldn't say, I wish I was a foot. The eyes shouldn't wish to be the ear. Sometimes they do. But the point is, we're all in this together. 
And as the great theologian Dr. Sue says, a person's a person no matter how small. Sometimes when we get out there these days, our fingers hurt, our skin cracks. That one little bit of your hand, it can ruin your day because it just it hurts because we're in this together. A person's a person, no matter how small, a part is a part, and we're in this together. This week, as we walk, as we march, in thanksgiving for the lives given to us, we receive the word of God, and we go out, and we share it, for it is fulfilled in our hearing.